I invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. At that time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way that they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year, until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Let us pray. Patient and compassionate God, cultivate your word within our lives. Grant us the grace, the strength, and the courage to bear your fruits of love to a world so desperately in need. O God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, St. John's. I am Pastor James Demmel, and I am very excited. I'm thrilled even to be able to get my first chance of many to come to dig into God's Word with you this morning. Now, if you can't tell, I'm, I'm the new kid on the block. I'm, I'm new at this, and I might not have ever expected this five or even two years ago when I was ordained as a pastor, but I have missed being in the pulpit. I have missed preaching, and I'm sure if we give Pastor Rhodes a few more weeks here after these nine months solo, he'll, he'll get back there, too. As we've been saying this week in our onboarding process, thank God for more staff coverage. Praise God for more staff coverage. Now, the world is a little bit of a different place since the last time I've been in the pulpit, which, which really hasn't been that long ago. I think it was earlier, mid-February in there. But it seems as if we have moved from crisis to crisis, right? As COVID numbers have diminished and we're seeing less and less masks these days, we all at once have these all new tensions and anxieties as war has broke out and Russia has invaded Ukraine. Now, as I've followed the news these past weeks and been confronted with those images of brutal violence and, and deep sadness, I've caught myself wondering just how something like this could happen. How could this be? I mean, sure, 50 or 75 or 100 years ago, I could see it, but, but now, 2022, really, seems like we have been transported back in time or like we're living in another alternate reality or something like that. But I think we have to face it this morning so this particular tragedy is what is fresh on our minds and in our hearts. We have never not been confronted with tragedy in some form or another. I mean, wars have always been going on. We have faced illness and disease, famine, terrible accidents, oppression, systemic injustice, all of these things. 
As I'm sure you all know and have experienced in your own ways, sometimes our lives here on this side of paradise are less than ideal. Whether that's something as small as waking up uh, on the wrong side of the bed in the morning or something as large and as heavy as the loss of a loved one, a, a world locked down in pandemic nations at war. Now, we begin with these reflections because the characters that confront Jesus in our gospel reading this morning are looking for answers. Or more specifically, they are looking for the answer. They want to know. They want to know why terrible things keep occurring. They, they bring before Jesus a case of a violent, degrading persecution by the Roman government. Certainly, Jesus knew of this because he, too, was from Galilee. These were probably some of his neighbors that were killed in this way. And, and they are all wrestling together with the problem of what theologians and philosophers have called theodicy. Not the odyssey, theodicy. A compound word that combines the original language, the ancient Greek words for theo, God, dike, justice, theodicy. They want to know the answer to a seemingly timeless problem. The mystery of how we can have a good God and still live in the midst of a broken and hurting world. And those of us, I mean probably all of us who have gone through trying times might have wondered over these things ourselves when we are in those moments. Now we have to read between the lines of our gospel text today to, to fill in some of the missing context It's important uh, for this passage, these things aren't as innocent as they may first appear. These, these people bringing the questions to Jesus aren't as innocent as they might appear. Jesus' initial response to them in verse 2 reveals a lot. He rhetorically asks them, Do you think because these Galileans suffered in this way that they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? You see, in between the lines here, behind the scenes is an ancient view that's operating, a view that is easy to fall back on in times of trial, especially when those times of trial aren't our own times of trial. The view is this, that bad and tragic things happen to people because of the sin in their lives. In the larger flow of the Gospel of Luke, this questionable interpretation is a follow-up response. The crowd is bringing in these questions because Earlier in Luke, just before our passage in chapter 12, Jesus confronts the crowds and he confronts those who are prophetically trying to interpret the signs of the times. And in true Jesus fashion, he says this, you hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and of the sky, but, but you do not know how to interpret this present time. You see, in trying to interpret the tragedies in our passage today, those gathered before Jesus are desperately trying to figure out, trying to prove that they have all things worked out, that they have it all figured out, that they understand the mystery of God's will. We see that they are more concerned with their own rightness than whatever the actual answer might be. And Jesus' response shows us how gravely they have missed the point. They're implying that somehow those tragically killed got what they deserve, and all to show that they are right. Yikes. Now before we go too much further, we need to get to the second part of Jesus' answer. He thankfully offers up more than just this rhetorical question back, responding to this tragic persecution and adding a tragic accident to the list of things. Jesus renounces this kind of thinking entirely. 
what gets lost into translation here in the English is that the particular word Jesus uses isn't just any old no, but it's instead an emphatic denunciation. Less a no, more an absolutely not. This is not the way to think. And Jesus doesn't just leave it at that. He goes on to hit us with some hard truth lest we miss his point. If you look at your gospel text, you'll notice that verses three and five, word for word, are the exact same response. Jesus says this. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. You see, as Jesus likes to do, he doesn't give us any direct answers to whatever questions we might have about the mystery of God's justice or about how he is moving in the world. He doesn't tell us why these awful, tragic things happen. Instead, Jesus redirects our focus. Instead of looking out into the world and seeing a just punishment for sin and evil, we are called instead to look inward, to repent. A word that implies a complete change of mindset, a complete change in our ways of thinking. As followers of Christ, we are called to go about the world in a different way with a mindset that focuses on how we can help instead of looking to see how others have failed. And so we see that the half-truth that God causes bad things to happen to people as a result of their sins is so dangerous precisely because it's an avoidance tactic. It it puts our focus somewhere else. Now, it's a half-truth, I say, because God certainly does have a plan and a purpose for our lives. God is to be sure, active and moving in our world and in each of our lives. But that doesn't at the same time mean that God causes those tragic, broken moments in our lives. That that doesn't mean that God causes the plagues and the sadness and the grief and the brokenness that continues to haunt us. When we think in this way, when we get caught up in this logic, we miss the point. And it then becomes all too easy to see those tragedies, those broken places in our world as just punishment. And to feel that, you know, because they aren't happening to us, that we are in the right. This view persists across the ages. It was a problem then, and it's certainly alive and well today, because it is just so comforting. It eases our conscience. It, it puts our hearts at rest. It's It's so particularly dangerous because it shifts our focus. It helps us to avoid doing the hard work of getting our hands dirty and addressing those tragedies. And this is exactly the point that leads us to the second part of our gospel, Jesus' parable of the fig tree. In response to this whole line of questioning, this whole mindset, Jesus presents the crowd with a conundrum. Imagine that there is a tree that just won't produce fruit. Year after year, it wastes space in the garden, barren and fruitless. The owner of the tree, understandably, rightly even, wants to cut it down. But the gardener, the one who works and tends to the garden, the one who knows the intricacies of cultivation, suggests another strategy. Let's give it more time. Give it one more year. Let me do that hard and dirty and sometimes smelly work of digging around and fertilizing it. If it can't produce the fruit on its own, let's step in. Let's try to do what we can to help it along its way to being fruitful. Dear siblings in Christ, 
when we get caught up in the reactive judging of tragedies and when we try to figure out their cause, we often miss out on the ways that instead we can proactively be involved in cultivating Christ's love throughout our world. This insight is not just for the larger things that are going wrong in our world, it's, it's for those smaller things too, for those broken places in our daily lives. When we take the quick and easy route of viewing people in situations as barren and fruitless, we avoid Christ's call to cultivate the world. And make no mistake, this is difficult work to be sure. Sometimes, probably most times, as any gardener might tell you, it's smelly, it's dirty, you're going to get your hands dirty. But this, this is the work of the gospel. And what the gardener knows in this parable is the sure and certain hope that we share in Christ. That this fertilization, that this cultivation will work. That with this investment, it is bound to bear fruit. Things are bound to change. The good news for us this week that I found in this passage is that when our world looks bleak and hopeless, when we feel tragic and broken, whether that's in big ways or small ways, that we have a call to step in, to fertilize, and to cultivate those moments, those places. That not only will God give it more time, but that Christ invites us alongside him, as he has from the beginning, to share in this labor of love. When we get caught up in reacting and in our judgments, when we are too quick to offer easy answers and too prone to avoid responsibility, we miss out on this call entirely, both to the detriment of ourselves and to this world that we share. You see, we're all in this together. It's this way of thinking that, as Jesus says, twice over, that leads to perishing. It's, it's this way of thinking that causes us to miss out on the kingdom of God coming in all around us. Thanks be to God that that gardener pleads for one more year. Thanks be to God that whenever we get caught up in the barrenness of our own sin, in the brokenness of our world, that Christ looks to carefully cultivate us with his love. And so, sisters and brothers, we'll close this morning with this thought. When we confront that brokenness, when we're faced with it, whether that's on a global stage or nationally or locally here in our community, whenever we feel that we are not enough, when we feel those barren and broken places in our own lives, in our own hearts, whether that's a result of something we have done, our own choices, or whether that's a result of something that's been done to us, Jesus, frustrating as it may be, doesn't give us any easy answers. Instead, he leaves us with something much, much better. Each and every one of us are gifted with these two things, a call and a promise. First, the call. Repent. Let Jesus change your mindset. Center yourselves on Christ. Invest in your relationship. Focus inward. Don't judge outward. When we encounter these broken places in our world, go there. Stand ready to cultivate God's love within yourselves, throughout 
our world. This is, this is what this season and time of Lent is really all about. It's an intentional time to grow in our trust and love of God so that we might continue on that difficult work. Second, each and every one of us is given a promise that despite all of those ways we fail, that despite those broken and barren places we may feel inside, that God will help us, especially in the midst of those places, to grow and to flourish. When we invest and cultivate our relationship with Christ, not only do we come to find healing and wholeness for ourselves, we are also empowered and equipped by God's Spirit to go out and heal this world that God has entrusted to us. Siblings, these days, it is especially easy to feel overwhelmed. It feels like we are moving from crisis to crisis, from one tragedy to the, another. It feels like the world is changing fast. We might not know where to put our focus, where to put our trust. Even so, and I think perhaps especially so, we need to remember that God leaves us this call and this promise and that these things remain the same no matter the times. When we focus in on this present moment, when we find our center in the God who loves us enough to never give up on us, we can begin to move forward, to carry on that work of cultivating and healing the world, confident both that Christ will cause us to flourish and that Christ will cause the world to be healed with brokenness. Amen.